Hey, everybody. Uh, happy, happy days. I just found out that this podcast has been downloaded over a million times. So one million thank yous to each and every one of you that have tuned in over, gosh, it's been like three or four years now. It's funny, the first time I started this, I thought that I one of my goals was to get to a million downloads within like a year. <laughs> and it took four years. Uh, I remember writing that goal down on a uh, on a whiteboard back in 2018. And then at the end of the year, I took stock and I was like, oh, you know, actually, we hit 120,000 downloads for the whole year. And I was expecting 100,000 per episode. And to me, that's not a failure, right? Because I did the thing. Right, I set out to do a thing, and I did the thing, and I might not have hit the metrics that I wanted to, but I learned a lot in the in the process, which is that uh, hey, growing an audience on a podcast is actually hard work, right? <laughs> and maybe I would have done better if I had if that was my full time job, right? Because then I could spend more time editing and cutting out clips and really working on guest outreach and being on other people's podcasts. And so I didn't let it deter me from doing this work because I enjoy having these conversations with people or with uh, just you in these solo episodes. And I know that it's helpful. And I know that some of you really love listening to these episodes uh, when you're driving or walking or doing your dishes and you're learning a lot about love and relationships. And that is important to me. Uh, the fact that it's been downloaded a million times uh, doesn't really change anything for me. I think it's fun. I got a little badge on Podbean, which is the host of this podcast, like where where I host it. Not that they host it. I'm the host, but they're the, you know, file host. Anyways, all that to say, thank you for listening. And today we're talking about spark, chemistry, and attraction. And I will do my very best. This is not a simple subject. I think people overcomplicate this and probably for a really good reason because it's a pretty complex, nuanced topic. And I'll do my best to figure out how to share with you what I want to share. And all right, let's jump into it. Okay, so what is chemistry? For me, chemistry is a physiological response, right? It's something that you can feel in your body. It's a response to another person. And it's hard to quantify, but it's one of those things that when you know, you know, right? When you feel it, you know what it is. And people really love the spark, and chemistry. I think spark and chemistry are interchangeable at this point, right? Um, a spark is some sort of chemical reaction, right? Is it not? Uh, so let's just use spark and chemistry interchangeably. And then there's attraction. So spark or chemistry is a thing that you can feel about another person, right? So there's something in that person that makes you feel a type of way, I never really love that expression because it's a little vague, right? Like what kind of way? But there's an excitement there and it is in the body. And to a certain degree, it activates your nervous system, right? Something gets activated. You get activated. And people love the spark because to some people, the spark is an indicator that there's something there. 
there's a je ne sais quoi that might be worth exploring. And the problem is that there is something there and it's not necessarily good, right? You and I both know you've had relationships where the chemistry was through the roof, the compatibility was not, and it burned hot and it fizzled out or it blew up, right? So there there has to be some measure of caution when approaching a situation that is high chemistry, especially if it's low compatibility, as in you don't want the same things. You are not a good fit together. People love the spark because they can feel it. Compatibility is something that needs to be explored, right? You don't know if you're compatible with someone until you ask them all sorts of questions and you spend time with them. Actual actual time, right? Over dates and chats and FaceTimes and going out, you discover the person to see if there's compatibility there. Spark is instant. And people love it because they go, oh, well, there's something here, so let's explore it, right? And you and I both know that it's not necessarily a good thing. And I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing either. It's just that Disney... And Hollywood has sold us this bill of goods that says that if there is no spark, there is no relationship, right? A movie where an actor meets an actress and there's nothing particularly exciting about them meeting and it's sort of like a run-of-the-mill interaction and they... Uh, slowly start to get to know each other over time and their attraction builds and and then eventually they're in a relationship. If that was the movie, no one would see it. No one would go watch that because that is boring, right? But if there's some crazy hot first meetup or they are like, you know, star-crossed lovers or one of them's married and the other one's, you know, flying across the world and and they just can't be together, but somehow they make it work. That sells, right? That sells tickets. The other stuff, not so much, right? So we sort of been taught that uh, relationships have to be exciting and there has to be chemistry. Otherwise, they're just friendship. That's what I hear a lot. I say to people, you know, find someone that you like that you enjoy spending time with that wants the same things as you do and that you find attractive slash cute. And people invariably will reply, that's called a friend. And I don't want to date my friends. Okay, I get it. Of course. But also, you know of people or yourself who has befriended somebody and the more you got to know them, the more attractive they became became to you. Right? They got hot. Not that they did anything different, but you getting to know them turned you on, actually got you a little bit excited. Your attraction for them grew, right? And and not all of you have had this situation come up or have, have experience with this, but some of you do. So to answer your question, can attraction grow? Yes, of course it can. And at the same time, if you don't find them cute, if you're not curious about what kissing them would feel like, or if the idea of being naked with them repulses you, then that's not going to be a good fit for a partnership. But can attraction grow? Yes, it can. 
I've had people say, oh, well, if they're a good fit for me and I like spending time with them, but I don't find them cute, I am not settling. If I feel blah about them, I am not settling. And I want to say that there is a big gap between feeling blah about somebody and having over the top, you know, chemistry with someone. And I'm saying find someone in the middle there. If somebody repulses you or you're not attracted to them at all, you don't find them cute. Yeah, got it. Don't date them. You know, maybe be friends with them. Or maybe don't even be friends with them, right? Maybe you need, you know, you want your friends to be cute. I like having cute friends. Um, so can you find a middle point? Right. And also, I've said this before, but like your type might not necessarily be good for you. So consider dating people that aren't necessarily your type to see how that feels. And I might be way off base here, right? I'm talking to you from experience, my own experience, not from some psychological or scientific fact about how people come together. Uh, I really don't like it when people say, well, that's just biology, so deal with it. Okay, sure. But also we evolve, right? And our relationships evolve and how we become connected to people also evolves. So I'm willing to leave some gray room for us not to have all the answers about how relationships, people come together in relationships. Okay, so what's attraction? How is it different from chemistry? I think chemistry is, is like I said, that physiological desire to be close to someone. And I think some of that comes from the fact that we don't know this person, right? And not knowing something about somebody is mysterious and can be exciting. For me, attraction is like, do I find them attractive? Like physically, do I think they look good to you? You know, you find them cute. That's that's all we're talking about. And I guess attraction also means that there's like a little bit of a magnetic pull. And that can sound a lot like chemistry and spark, right? There's something drawing you in. And again, I think we overcomplicate this. I really think that at the end of the day, we're, we are splitting hairs. We are talking about semantics. People really want to understand what chemistry is, what its role is, what is spark, what is attraction. They want to understand so that they don't make a mistake, right? People want to pick the best partner, the ideal partner, and they don't want to lose their time. They don't want to waste their time and they don't want to have to start over, right? So people are terrified of, ma of making a mistake and picking the wrong person. And I really don't believe in mistakes. You probably know this about me. I feel like there are no mistakes in God's world. We have experiences. Sometimes we wish we had done it differently, but all of those experiences lead us to be the person that we are today, right? And every experience, if it turns out that it was not ideal, you can learn from that experience, and make better choices. And without that experience, maybe you would have, wouldn't have learned the thing that you needed to learn, right? So I think people are really terrified of making mistakes. And they think that maybe if they just understood chemistry and spark and attraction, uh, they, you know, the relationship wouldn't end, basically, because they had all the information and they made the right choice. The reality is I don't think you can predict the future. I mean, I, I, don't, I know you can't predict the future. 
You just, you can't. So you could stay stuck analyzing, obsessing over spark and chemistry. And if they're a good fit and never really knowing and never really jumping into a relationship because relationships are opportunities for us to get to know ourselves and the other person and what we want and what we don't want. They're also opportunities for us to heal stuff, heal those wounds, right? When you become, uh, when you come into a relationship that is safe, where you can be yourself, where you can share intimately and emotionally in a way that is well-received, you get to heal some of your old stuff. If you're in a relationship that is full of chemistry and maybe anxiety, where you are scared of being yourself, where you are terrified of losing the thing, then you don't get to touch some of those fruits of a safe and connected relationship. Now, some people are going to say, why can't I have it all? I want the high chemistry. I want the high compatibility. I want it all. And to those people, I say, sure, go for it. You know, I don't, I don't know what to say to that. I, I really do want you to have it all. And I also am probably more of a realist than I am an optimist. You know, for me, I don't think I've ever had it all. So I always recognize that relationships are imperfect, that life is imperfect, that everything is imperfect. So to me, having it all is a little unrealistic. Actually, you you can have it all if you accept that what you have right now is everything that you want. Right? It's like retroactive retroactively wanting what you have. I've been I've been listening to stoics talk about stoic philosophy and there's this idea that we'll never be happy uh, in the current way we look at society and life, because we think that there's a gap between what we have and what we want. And once we fill that gap, we will be happy, right? So a partner that is both highly compatible and has a high level of chemistry. When you have that, you will be happy, right? When I have the girlfriend that rock climbs, I will be happy. When I have the house in the woods, I will be happy. And the Stoics say, well, you know what? Guess what? You're going to get all those things and you're not going to be happy because you're going to want something else, something more, right? The soul will always find something else that it thinks it needs to be happy. So the Stoics look at it as, what if what I had already was what I wanted? So can you learn to love what you have rather than something else that you think will make you feel better. And that's how I look at it with relationships. Can I learn to love what I have instead of optimizing for the best possible outcome? I understand you wanting the best possible outcome, but in the meantime, you got nothing, right? Because you're on the sidelines overanalyzing every single relationship and every single person that you go out with as, is there enough spark? Is there enough chemistry? Where I don't know that you could ever answer that question. What I would rather you answer is, do I like this person? Are they fun? Are they, do they share the same values? Are they funny? Are they kind? Are they caring? Are they respectful? Do I feel safe around them? Do we want the same things? Do I want to see them naked? 
Do I want to kiss them? And if I'm not sure, can I kiss them to see how it feels? Because maybe you have a more responsive type of desire rather than a spontaneous type of desire. We all love those relationships where we just can't wait to rip each other's clothes off. But that's kind of useless if at the same time or right after we also get into these crazy ass fights because there's so much conflict in the relationship. I'd much rather be in a safe relationship that feels less exciting, that I can explore deeper intimacy with, which can then lead to more excitement because I'm now in a safe container for me to explore my wounds and my desires in a way that doesn't feel threatening to my nervous system. And some people are going to say, well, you know, I've been in relationships like that and, and it just faded. The attraction faded. There was nothing keeping us together. It's like, okay, well, I don't think you can predict that whether the, the relationship is high spark or not. Relationships take work. If there's a discrepancy in the desire or the libido, then you're going to have to talk about it and work at it and get curious. I think the problem with spark is that it makes us lazy, right? The other person inspires us to feel a certain way, a way that we like to feel. So we're actually giving them the power to make us feel excited rather than to get curious about what can we do to feel excitement in our relationship. The spark route requires less work. The curiosity route requires you to ask questions, to sit with discomfort, to be curious about your experience and their experience. And that's more work. So much easier. It would be so much easier if we just let chemistry run the show and be like, nope, 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 yes, nope, 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 rather than evaluating each person as, hmm, is there something here? Is there something worth exploring? Is it worth me investing in this thing? At the end of the day, though, you get no guarantees that any of this is going to work out in your favor, quote unquote, work out, right? I think people want the relationship to sort of be like their forever relationship. And I think that used to be easier back in the day, honestly, because people were dating and coupling up for survival, right? Get, get kids, have them work on the farm, you know, pool our resources so that we can like survive the Great Depression. That's not really a fear as much these days, especially in Western society, where we're a lot more affluent, more, more privileged. So now we want everything. We want relationships for love, not just survival and companionship. We want them to be exciting. We want them to meet all of our needs. We want there to be a you know high libido throughout the whole length of the relationship. And I think that our expectations are unrealistic. Really, really, really unrealistic. And that's going to keep you alone. And it's going to prevent you from connecting with people that are just lovely, just lovely, that can help you explore what you need to explore and heal the things that you need to heal and experience love, sex, joy along the way. So I want you to find someone that you can grow with that you can explore with, that you can feel safe with, that you can deepen intimacy with, that you can have hard conversations with, that you can explore getting naked with. That's what I want for you. And if that comes with some spark and some excitement and some chemistry at the, at the beginning, cool. 
And if there's just an inkling of it, right? Because like a spark can be pretty small, right? Uh, then all the better. And if it grows over time, great. And if it doesn't, and it just feels like you're having sex with a friend and that's not good for you, then then try again. Just don't let Spark run the show, right? Get more curious. And some people, you know, they're out after the first date because they didn't feel anything. And it's like, you know, give them two or three dates. Stick around a little bit more to see what happens. Because feeling grounded and centered and safe in a relationship, I think, is more important than feeling exciting. Life is exciting enough as it is. For me, a relationship is a place that I can come home to and feel safe in and relax with and explore as well. So, I don't know. This was a uh, stream of consciousness. I had a few notes, but uh, this is a tough uh, subject to talk about. And I don't have all the answers, but hopefully this was helpful. Have a beautiful week.